0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, you guys. Oh, my gosh, I love you. Um, Man, I hope you're doing well. Hope you're hanging in there. Every time my deb and I pray, we pray for you. We pray the power of God. We pray the protection of God. And we pray that you won't quit too soon. Not on your faith, not on your love, not on your hope, not on your peace. Um, there was a little boy, Johnny. He drove his dad crazy every day, asking his dad, begging his dad for a new baby brother. And uh, finally, One night, his dad was putting Johnny to bed. Dad said, I'll tell you what, son, if you pray every night before you go to sleep for a month, I guarantee God will give you a new baby brother. Well, obviously, Dad knew something that Johnny didn't, but Johnny began to pray. Every night before he went to sleep, he prayed, and he prayed for a new baby brother, and he prayed that way for two weeks, and nothing happened, so he quit praying. Then about a week later, His mom goes to the hospital. A Few days later, his mom comes home. Dad invites Johnny into their bedroom, and there on the bed by his mom is a little bundle. And Dad pulls back a blanket, and there is not a baby brother, not one boy, but two twin baby brothers. Dad looks down at Johnny and says, son, now, aren't you glad you prayed? And Johnny looks up at his dad and says, but yeah, aren't you glad I quit when I did? That's our tendency with prayer. I mean, John is just a fictitious character and a a fictitious story. But the truth about us, uh, unfortunately, is our tendency is to quit too soon when it comes to pray. We pray. We do pray. And we pray. But if nothing happens, we quit praying. I mean, I've been there. I remember Um, When Deb and I were first married and I was first in the ministry, we were in a little bitty town, little bitty church, and I was pacing back and forth and praying out loud, my eyes looking up. Um, We were living in a little $75 a month rental house, and I just felt like the biggest failure felt like I was failing in our short-lived marriage. I felt like I was failing in ministry, and if I couldn't make it in a little church in a little town. So I, I was talking to God. But it felt like my prayers weren't getting any higher uh, than the ceiling. I, I, I was so frustrated. Have you ever been there? Have you ever wondered, well, you know, what's the point of... A prayer. If God is Almighty, why pray? If God is all-knowing, knows everything anyway. Why? Why pray? What's the point of prayer? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. In fact, next week, uh, we'll continue part two on how to get pra- the kind of prayers that God always answers. How to pray your way through a, a crisis, a parenting crisis, a marital crisis, a health crisis, a, a pandemic crisis. How to pray your way to victory. Well, today, a part of the point of prayer is that it's just hardwired into our souls. We were made to pray. In fact, we are going against our nature when we don't pray. I mean, we pray when we feel empty and alone. We we, we pray when we feel grateful and in love. We, we we pray when we need help, when we need a job, when we need help in our marriage or help in our finances. We pray when we feel like we're at the end of ourselves emotionally, mentally. We are just hardwired by God to pray. In fact, um, one of the things I've learned as time has gone on and I've studied ways to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying is that the why of prayer, the point of prayer, is actually buried in the very word itself. Our English word for prayer comes from a Latin uh, root word, precari, like precarious. That's where we get our word, Precarious. Now, you know what the word precarious means? It means about to fail or collapse. And that's when we pray. When it feels like our marriage is about to collapse, the right instinct is to pray. When when it feels like our finances are bordering on collapse, the right instinct is to pray. When it feels like we're failing in our work or in our parenting, the right instinct is to pray. When it feels like, um, you you know, our faith is collapsing into fear, our our hope is collapsing into despair, the right instinct is to pray. When, When we feel that we're failing physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in our relationships, the right instinct is to pray, 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 pray. Pray. Now, the followers of Jesus, the men and women closest to him, they had a front row seat to see how Jesus prayed in impossibly precarious, painfully precarious situations. And in fact, um, for two years, they watched, they listened, they eavesdropped on the personal, profound, practical prayers of Jesus. They saw how prayer got answered. They saw how to pray through a crisis. They, they saw how to keep praying all the way to victory. By listening to Jesus pray. I mean, they didn't ask Jesus, hey, how do you calm a deadly storm? Uh, They didn't say to Jesus, teach us how to change water into wine. How about that walking on water? How about feeding thousands of people with a little boy's lunch? How, how, How do we heal the desperately sick or even raise the dead? Their question was this. Beginning with year three of their time with Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us. To pray because they understood that all the power of God, all the truth of God, all the love of God, all the wisdom of God, all the grace of God, all the forgiveness of God emanating from Jesus came from his prayer. In fact, Jesus told them, always pray and don't give up. And so I'd like for us to eavesdrop on Jesus as well, just as they did In fact, I want us to go um, to the most precarious hours in the ministry and life of Jesus. The hours just before he, 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 He died, just before He was crucified and risen from the dead. I want us to listen in and not just on how he prayed and what he prayed, but why. He prayed. The scene of the uh, the first prayer. It's a practical prayer. It's a profound uh, prayer. But Jesus is gathered in a in an upstairs room, modest a uh, place, humble place, um, lighted with candlelight, having dinner with his closest friends. And. and in the middle of the meal, he, Jesus just almost instinctively, involuntarily burst out in prayer, and he prays like this, Father, I have brought you glory by completing the work you've given me to do. I achieved your purpose for my life. Now, this is, this is huge. I mean, we know the story of Jesus, that he did achieve the purpose of God. He knew the purpose of God. He did the purpose of God, and that brought God glory. But it also unleashed for Jesus and for us all the goodness of God for our lives. It it triggered Jesus doing the purpose of God for his life triggered supernatural protection for our lives. We can tap into protection. It it, it triggered supernatural protection provision for our lives. We can tap into the unlimited provision of God. It set us free to know God deeply and personally because Jesus discovered God's purpose for his life and did God's purpose for his life. That was his story. We know his story, but that's our story as well. The Bible says we are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. Why? For the purpose of doing good things that God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has a purpose for our lives. And when we learn that purpose and live that purpose, all of a sudden it triggers all the goodness of God, all the provision, all the protection, all the supernatural power of God, even miraculous power for our lives. Let me just give you an illustration uh, from my life. Um, Doesn't seem possible, but it was about 20 years ago that um, I first met the little boy in Haiti who'd become my son. He He was 10 years old at the time, and you know, I thought he was a cute kid, my wife. Oh my gosh, she fell head over heels in love with him on sight. She wanted to adopt Wilkie. I'm like, no way. Um, I'll tell you what, Deb, we will provide for his education. We'll make sure um, he's got clothes. We'll make sure he has food. And um, that was as far as I was willing to go. And we got home from that trip in Haiti only to find out that Wilkie had broken his left femur playing basketball. Now, you don't break your left femur playing basketball. An American kid wouldn't. You'd have to get hit by a Volkswagen to break your left femur. But he broke his femur, and I I said, okay, let's talk to Deb. Let's try to get him out on a medical visa. We were denied. And that's when I went into our living room, got down on my knees in front of our couch, buried my head in the couch cushions and began to pray. Oh God, what do we do? What's your purpose in this? And I uh, unmistakably sensed God saying, make this child your son. I said, God, if that's your purpose for my life, for my marriage, We'll do it, whatever it takes, whatever it costs. We will not quit, we will not give up. We will do your purpose for our lives. And when I got up off of my knees, um, I God had given me the same love in my heart for Wilkie that I had for my biological boys, Josh and, and Jake. And so for the next two years, Deb and I gave everything we had, financially, emotionally, mentally, relationally, to achieve God's purpose. With all of our passion, we went after the purpose of God to, to make Woki our son. Well, there were obstacles to overcome. I mean, it became painfully precarious. But as we pursued that purpose of God, God always delivered miraculously. Uh, in, in our finances, there was always enough money to take the next step. Provided protection. My wife lived in Haiti for like nine months. Wisdom, comfort, peace, hope, strength. God delivered every time, and you know. Now Wilkie has been in our home and uh, our son, and then married. He's got two little girls of his own. He's an amazing, amazing young man. But you just you you through prayer. The point of prayer is to find out God's purpose for your life. And the point of prayer, then, is to live that purpose. Well, Jesus, his next moment of prayer was that he led his closest followers out of that upper room, down a staircase, through the narrow streets of Jerusalem, outside the city, down a valley and a little narrow path, up the opposing hillside to a garden. Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And there we get to eavesdrop in again. Jesus praying. And this time, it's the, the, the precarious nature of the moment. It's a devastating, agonizing moment um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I mean, Jesus drops to his knees. Jesus drops to his He's groaning, he's he's weeping, he's pulling out grass by the roots, and here's his prayer. Father, if there's any way that, that you can get me out of this moment of horrific suffering. But Father, not what I want, but what you want. And God the Father answered that prayer. He didn't take Jesus out of the suffering, but he sent an angel to strengthen Jesus in the midst of the suffering. That happens for us. We can pray, I want out of this situation. Somehow help me get out of this circumstance, Lord. Get out of this pain. Get out of this difficulty. Get out of this bankruptcy. Get out of this unemployment. Get out of this sickness. Help me, Lord. Sometimes we gotta gotta go through the two years of the the adoption process for Deb and I. A month of sickness recently for, for, for me. But in the midst of the situation, God sends strength. In fact, he promises personally to be our strength. And so Jesus, he gets up out of the dirt, brushes off his robes, and he marches from that point forward, head held high with great dignity. And to whatever life was going to throw at him, and it was going to throw the worst, he was going to be brutalized. He was going to be betrayed by a close friend. He was going to be illegally arrested. He was going to be unfairly tried in a kangaroo court. He was going to be clubbed again and again and again. His beard was going to be forcibly pulled out by the roots. His face was going to be beaten beyond recognition. His back was going to be whipped to a bloody pulp, and he was going to be left dangling, crucified on a cruel blood-stained cross, and he was going to rise from the dead. You see, there's always victory through the circumstance. It's strength to get through it. Jesus faced it all, endured it all, scorned its shame for the joy set before him. And, and, and again, I read that story, I hear that story, Lord, if there's any way to change this terrible situation, please change it. Get me out of it, but not what I want, but what you want. Not my will be done, your will. Here's how it ha- happened for me again four decades ago. I'm in a sterile green um, hospital room with my wife. She's in labor, our first child, and it felt like in the moment that all the air had been sucked out of the room. I felt like I couldn't breathe. My heart was pounding in my throat. The the, the nurses were moving Debbie from side to side, side to side. One nurse asked her, kind of distract her, do you want a boy or a girl? Debbie said, I don't care if it's St. Bernard, I just want it out. And that's when the doctor said, we've got to get this young woman to surgery. She's going into shock. We're going to lose both her and the baby. And um, they ushered me out of the room across the hall into another sterile green uh, labor room. This one empty. They shut the door behind me. And I remember leaning my forehead, uh, against the hardwood door, trying to get as close to my wife as I could with that door separating me and what was going on on the other side of it. I just began to pray aloud. I just began to pray, Lord, I believe that you can save my wife and and save our baby. Lord, if you can't save the baby, though you are able, um, please save my wife. And Lord, though I believe you can, if you don't save my wife and the baby, then I'm still gonna love you, I'm still gonna worship you, I'm still gonna serve you, I'm still gonna be your man. No sooner had those words come out of my mouth than there was a knock on the other side of that door. Mr. Clark, come out and see what your wife has for you. And, and so I opened the door, step into the hallway, and a nurse informs me that the umbilical cord had been wrapped around little little baby boy around his neck and when Debbie went into contraction it was killing her and strangulating uh, our son but 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 while they were prepping her for surgery a nurse saw the crown of the baby's head was able to reach her fingers in and remove the the cord from the little guy's neck and the nurse said uh, mrs. Clark can you tell your husband what you've named uh, your son and debbie said bah, 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 bah whacked out on anesthesia. In fact, I wanted some in that moment. But translated, Debbie was saying, his name is Joshua, which is totally appropriate because Joshua means God saves. He's a good God. When we discover his purpose for our lives through prayer and live out his purpose for our lives by the strength we find in prayer, his goodness is released. And even in the midst of the most precarious, impossible, painful situations, when we respond intuitively to the way we're hardwired and pray to God, he sends the strength we need to stand in the midst of the struggle and to get through it all the way to victory. Jesus was in the ultimate precarious situation on the cross, and God led him to the ultimate victory, marching head held high out of the empty tomb, defeating and conquering hell, death, sin, and the grave. Well, the third prayer of Jesus that we can listen in on that helps us understand the point of prayer is a, is a prayer that he prayed on the cross. Um, I just kind of listed for you earlier uh, a quick study on all the suffering that Jesus had endured. And, um, and, and now they have him. They position His arms out on the crossbeam find the right place in the wrist and bam, hammer spikes down through his wrist. Dude, these were expert executioners. And so they allowed the right amount of slack in his arms so that he would strangle so that he would suffocate, and did the same with his legs. Took those spikes, took those nails, and drove them through his ankles to the cross. And when the cross was stood up, he had enough slack, but in order to breathe, he would have to pull himself up with all of his strength on those wounded hands and push against those wounded feet. Take a deep breath, and if he was going to speak, he that's when he would speak, and he could only speak as much as breath he, as he had. And so it was in a moment like that, he lifts himself up, he pushes himself up, takes a deep breath and prays, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. The point of prayer, the why of prayer, is to have the strength to forgive those who have hurt us, rejected us, betrayed us, abused us, to forgive ourselves, to find forgiveness from Jesus. Three times that third-person plural pronoun is used by Jesus in his prayer. Forgiveness is said once, but them, they, they. Who, who's them? Was it the executioners, the soldiers? Who's they? Are you they? Was he praying for your forgiveness? You, Father, they, they don't know what they're doing. Please forgive them. Was they Me? Father, forgive David, he's clueless. Notice he, he asked for my forgiveness, your forgiveness, their forgiveness on the basis of his relationship with the Father. And the forgiveness was provided by the power of his shed blood. And so I'd like to lead you into a time of communion right now. Kind of having these prayers hovering in the back of our minds that pray to discover God's purpose, Pray to live out God's purpose. Pray acknowledging that he is able. And if, if it's not as well, then you're still going to love him, worship him, serve him. And, and pray to be forgiven and to forgive. Pray to receive forgiveness and to extend forgiveness. So I hope you have your piece of cracker or bread ready and your juice. Jesus said, if you eat my flesh, that, that bit of bread, and you drink my blood, that bit of juice, I will come and live in you. And so his forgiveness will live in you, and his strength will live in you, his hope will live in you, and his joy will live in you. His peace will live in you. Living peace, living hope, living joy. And so take the bread and break it and bless it. Do this remembering Jesus, remembering God has a purpose for your life, asking for strength, asking for forgiveness, and take the cup, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink it. As you consume it, be consumed with the forgiveness of God. When you're forgiven and you know you're forgiven and you receive your forgiveness, much needed, much desired, you are free free indeed. I love you. I thank God for you. I thank God for His Word, and I thank God for prayer. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us, and have a great week.